0: Every voice, every vote. West Philly Voices. Yeah, back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Jimmy! Lights, camera, action. Some people thought I quit and I ain't giving satisfaction. From a different era, writing rhymes up on napkins. What you had to say was more important, man, the track. Yeah, I'm talking back, speaking of contemporary, gotta spit the truth. For the lies they attempt to bury. Why we always make the music? Gotta make the clubs Man, to make it coffin then give you some substance. Once you hear the music, you know just what the difference is. Hide the similarity, insinuate your, similarities. your differences. Don't go home feet, everything has a place in a time. So when we make them paint their head, make sure we feed their mind. See you listen to a man who used to live up out of storage. I let you buy the bar I gotta pay off my mortgage. Jimmy Bronze, man, intrusive. Stay up on some new shit. Stay up been some new kicks. Stay about the news clips. News clips. News and welcome back to Jimmy Bonds Podcast right here on WPEB Radio, 88.1 FM, 95.1 FM, West Philadelphia. Remember, fam, you can call us with your comments or your questions at 215 472 881 Again, that's 215 472 881 You can also email us at Jimmy at gmail.com. Again, it's Jimmy at gmail.com. It's J-I-W-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S. Podcast at gmail.com. So, family, as I said before, we are, um, we are waiting on our guest to come. He is here, finally. I'm so glad my man is here. My brother is here to have this conversation with us. Um, but our guest tonight is a West Philly resident. Um, He's been a West Philly resident for um, his whole life. <laughs> um, he has, uh, and you got a degree in what, psychology? I have a degree in uh, undergraduate and uh,
1: pastoral care from Oral Roberts University and a Masters of Science and Pastoral Clinical um, Counseling from Newman University. Listen, this
0: boy this boy is, is, is major. This boy is major. But he he's my brother, so I can call him Aaron. But professionally he is Bishop elect Aaron Smallwood. So, brother, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the
1: show. Jimmy, thank you for having me. You know, your family has been a true blessing to um, me and my family. Your mother was like a mother to me when I was um, 14 years old up until she was my first spiritual mentor. Yeah. Had a true gift of prophecy. Uh. And um, I'm sitting where I am today because so much of her impartation.
0: Wow. Wow. Uh, that's that. That's how you start the show, Aaron. Talking oh, about yes. my mom like that. <laughs> yes, for real. That's how you start the show. Indeed, I absolutely. Mean, I, I mean, people that don't know my mom, my mom was a pastor. Pastor Russell. She was. She had her 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 her, her, her church, um, Emmanuel Emmanuel Deliverance Temple, and that was her thing. She wanted to deliver people from their from a hardship. So, um, you know, God rest her soul. But you know, I love my mama. So shout out to my mama. Um she she if she inspired you, imagine what she did for me. Hey, absolutely. <laughs> I see I'm sitting in his wonderful studio right now, so it's definitely for sure. Listen, man, this 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 is what it is. But um, you know, I brought I brought my brother Aaron on tonight. A because he, he is a voice of West Philly. Um he's definitely West Philly voices, born and raised, um, has seen has seen a lot of things, has been on both sides of, of victory and tragedy. He has seen so much within the community um, that I thought his voice was very vital to have on our show tonight. And I wanted to cover a topic that I think, um, I think sometimes people, we just take for granted, but we don't understand, I guess, the demographics, how things have changed. But the church has had a very strong voice in, in voting and also in politics. People don't realize that. The church has a very strong influence in politics. And, you know, I wanted to bring Bishop Aaron on tonight because, A, he's a man of the clergy, and B, because he he has a different, he has a kind of an alternative ministry. Not an alternative in the sense of music, but I mean just different ways that he, he he I guess, worships and, and understands people. So his his insight, I think, is different. And that's why I wanted to bring him on. He ain't your regular. You're like, you know, Lord, let me tell you. Lord, let me get it. He is definitely a different progressive type of pastor. Um, so I definitely wanted to have him come on tonight. So let me ask you this, Brother Aaron. Um, you know. Voting in the church back in the day used to be something that was really like that's it was it was a major deal, you know. Everybody went to church on Sunday, pastor get up and be like, Hey, make sure we go vote on Tuesday, you know. That that's changed. Um, I know there's there's a lot of drives for people to get out and vote. There's a lot of church organizations and church partnerships to help people, you know, come out and do the vote. But there seems to be a, a major disconnect with the residents and the constituents. Why do you think that is?
1: I think it depends upon which um, area of the country you're in. Mm. I know for many of my friends who are black clergy in the South, they are still very um, adamant and very focused on getting their parishioners to vote and to um, be active in their local state and um executive branches of election, presidential election. Here in the North, I still find that there are certain pastors and churches and denominations that are very um, active in that and and speaking to it. However, one thing that has crippled the church is the 501c3,
0: Mm. right? Talk about that. We have
1: this thing called the 501c3, and when a 501c3 came, I forget which year it was enacted, and we know that all churches and religious organizations already have a status of nonprofit, right. um or charitable charitable giving. Yeah. But with the 501c three, we deal with something called the, the difference between and the separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. So therefore a church cannot absolutely cannot come out and endorse one candidate. Exactly. Okay. They have to they, they can only encourage people to vote because it's a um it's a civil you could you could call it requirement, a civil yeah, obligation it's, duty.
0: It's, it's, it's even an duty for us because you can't Can't do a call a call to anything, so you can't you know call to action as they would say. So we can't, I can't be like, hey, go vote for such and such. You know what I mean? So I understand Mm -hmm. it. I'm on back. Go ahead, continue.
1: Absolutely. So with the separation of church and state, I cannot endorse a candidate. Anyone with um, nonprofit um, 501c3 status, and 501c3 status states that when someone gives a donation, they can write it off and it's deducted from their. there, it's a part of the deductions, right, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. what we make. So that crippled a lot of churches. When we look around the country, I, I'm blessed to do a lot of cross cultural ministry mm. between, around the U.S. So, in the in, when I'm in Philadelphia, I minister to a lot of um, African American educators, um, business people, artists, and um, you know our everyday people, yeah. right? Yeah. When I'm in Tennessee, I'm ministering to white evangelical. Um, middle class yeah. um, people,
2: yeah.
1: and um, we all believe in Jesus, right? We, we all believe in Jesus, but in P- Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and in the North, we're more what you would call a blue state, yeah, right? For sure. So our issues are different. Yeah. So if we're going to talk about the church and voting, we have to really break down the difference between—I hate to say this—but the black church and the white church.
0: Uh, listen, uh, uh, I was—I was even going to ask you this anyway. So the fact that you're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, let's get to it. My bad. Go ahead, continue.
1: Yeah, we have to break down the difference between the black church, the white church, and even where our Latino brothers and sisters and Asian brothers yes. and sisters worship come yes. and worship, and how, how how that all comes into being. Yes, because one thing we find is that in the 1950s and 60s and 70s, during the civil rights movement, the black church was the base and the backbone of the community in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. When we talk about Dr. King and Ralph Abernathy and um, Rosa Parks and so many others. Um, Vernon Jones, many many others who, who were doing all of this, right? So at that time, the black church being the spearhead and the figurehead and the backbone of that— they were and it was so much oppression then. Right. Yeah, yeah. We we had to organize and we had to speak the way we did. We had to go after what we did. Now we've gotten more rights. We're gotten more freedoms, as it appears, as it appears. It, we have we have a lot more um, people in Ivy League, African-Americans, Ivy League schools. Yeah. And so many things have worked in our favor. That there's been a real backing off in the black church, depending upon what denomination it is, depending upon if you come from a social action stream, like some of the Methodist churches or um, the Lutheran churches that that's not something that we find a lot of people actually. Now the black church is not so much the backbone of the voting. It's more grassroots organizations. Yes. That have picked up people like yourself. Yes. Um, and your, and your team who are now speaking to these issues and these um, other nonprofits that have raised up in our communities yeah, th- up and down the East coast. I, I can only, I can speak to the East coast. Right. Right. That's where we're from. Yeah. Who are really now speaking to that. So, you know, it's really difficult to have these conversations without looking a little bit at history and when we say the church defining what church we're talking about.
0: yeah and, and so and so as you say that, I, I mean one of my things was, because of the fact that you you had the experience of being able to travel around in different, I guess, demographics of people, um, especially going down south, the evangelical side, um, it, it seems that in a lot of ways. Now, this is just uh, an observation. I could be wrong, but it seems a lot of ways on the evangelical side, they seem to have more of a push for voting or bring more people out to vote for, I guess, people would say the Republican side, Uh right? Uh And on on the flip side, say here in Philly, you have it more so there are less people voting than say, the uh, say the Evangelicals. And I, I find that to be a real interesting factor because our rights are kind of, our rights to put on the table if we don't vote, right? Uh-huh. So if we're not voting, but they are, who's losing?
1: Right, right, absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's,
0: it's and I, don't, and I don't mean to say they in the sense of, of isolating them as, as the evil people and something of that nature. I'm saying more just like, there's, there's a side of the uh, p- political spectrum, and it's particularly talking about the church. There's a side that actually has garnered more strength over the years, particularly since Obama was elected. Mm-hmm. There's a demographic that's gained more strength and more, more of a voice, and ours just seemed to diminish in some ways. Mm-hmm. So in, in saying that, why do you think that on the, on the evan- evangelical side, it seems like it's more of a momentum, more of a push, more e- more emphasis put on voting, put on... We got to get to the polls to get people representing us. You know what I mean? One thing we find when we look at the
1: um, evangelical church, more or less the white evangelical church, and it it can get really. It's a lot of terminologies yes, I can use. Very much so, because I can use terminologies like the white evangelical church. I can talk about the conservatives. Yes, but the one thing you find with them is that there's there's a, a conviction and a philosophy attached. To the Republican Party Yes Many of them are They, they are what we call Conservatives Excuse And me. conservatives What we What they will say are They believe that marriage Is um, defined between A man and woman Right They believe that um, they, they are anti-abortion Right Right And they are um, Very much on you Getting up and going to work And doing for yourself And there should be Very little government involvement
0: And that's their ideals okay. Yes Okay Yes
1: So that is their ideals And um, ironically for me, I don't yeah. like to call myself conservative, but I'm what I'm called an orthodox Christian. Okay, okay. So, and when we look at orthodoxy, we're looking at those Christians who believe that um, the word of God never changed. Yeah. So when I look at marriage, I do see marriage between, defined between man and woman. I am very pro-life. But socially, <clears throat> when I'm looking at the voting, I do not define the Republican Party as the Christian party for the United States of America. Mm. So when we look at the push in the white evangelical church mm-hmm. toward leaning towards the Republican Party, the philosophy is they are they there there is a fear that if you vote Republican, you're gonna lose rights, you're going to lose your status, we're gonna become less American, there's gonna be more immigrant control, more immigrant population and all of that. I don't prescribe to that. Right, right. I prescribe to the word of God. Right. So one thing now, let's 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 take a walk back in history about three or four generations. When you looked at the black church and voting, there was a need for there was a a conviction and a philosophy about around the Voting Rights Act in the 60s and moving forward. Because, what, we were being oppressed. There were things we had no control over, local and state. And we believe that if we voted and if we were to run for those offices, we would have more power in bringing change.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So everyone who has a push for voting, they have attached, no matter what group you're talking to, liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, donkey or elephant, there's a conviction and a philosophy and buy-in to those groups to get out and vote. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Ty, what's up, man? I know you probably got something that you want to ask. You listen, you learn it, huh? (laughs) Um, Okay, here's a quick question. Tell me the difference between a pastor and a politician. (laughs) 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 One liar, one dog. Well, you know, a
1: pastor is supposed to be a leader of the church, yeah. shepherding the flock. Right. We know scripture says in Jeremiah, I call them after my own heart. Right, um, And a politician is supposed to be seriously... They should be there fighting for the rights of their constituents. Yes. They should be looking out for their civilians, looking out for their constituents, those who voted for them, and what is the best interest. So when they go to Harrisburg, and our state would be Harrisburg, our capital, when they go to Washington, D.C., they should be putting the best interest of those who voted for them and those in their region before, before the lawmakers. That's what a politician is supposed to do. A pastor is supposed to carry your spiritual needs, guide you by the Word of God, help you make decisions from the Word of God forward.
0: Yeah, well, I, but you know, you have some some pastors that become politicians. That's why I even asked the question because in, in in a lot of ways they're both orators. They they both stand before people. True. Um, some as some as you know, using lessons from the Word of God as a way to influence the flock. A politician uses you know lessons from. I guess being in the courthouse or the state house Mm -hmm. as a way to influence the flock in the same way. So I see them. (laughs) And the funny thing about it is they both operate in nonprofit kind of, um, I guess they're both nonprofit entities because you know, a politician, all that money is nonprofit. That's, that's absolutely all that money that they make, all that campaign money. That's, Mm -hmm. that's not taxable money. So, um, I I just find them very close to be, they're, they're very similar so that's why I even asked the question. I just said uh, it's real interesting. It's a fine line between the two of them. So, you know, you, I've seen a lot of, po- like I said, I've seen a lot of pastors or, or leaders of the church become politicians. I mean, Al Sharpton is one of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole lot of them that, that have transformed over to, from the clergy to politics. And I don't know if that's, I always find it to be a very... Uh, them fine line across
1: you know what jimmy It's very power it's very interesting you say that because even right now as you know um on october 18th i'll be um embarking on my fifth trip to the nation of ghana yes where i'm doing a lot of ministry and social impact work and building um, the first children's hospital in northern Tamale. but one thing that has happened is um in ghana it, or on the continent let me speak to the continent there are several mega church pastors and one of them, I forget what nation it is. I don't want to call it wrong, but he became a mega church pastor. Started off, you know, small church grew, grew the ministry. The Lord blessed the ministry, and now he's the president of the nation. See, so not only is it happening
0: in America, but we also it's see happening. it's happening on the continent because because they have such a strong influence on the people. Uh-huh. You know, people believe what they say, uh-huh. and I'm not to say that you shouldn't believe your pastor. I'm not that type of person. I'm just saying that people take the word of the pastor as as truth and facts. So, when they, transfer, when they transfer over from being a pastor to being a politician, why, why didn't it still not tell them the truth? You know what right. I mean? That's, right. that's the instant thing in your mind, what you think. So, I, I, I just thought that was weird. JB,
3: you mentioned that. Now, if you, if you take it back even years before that, the church was the church and the political party of the people yeah. together as one. Yeah. And uh-huh. then yeah. at some point in the history, I want to say during the Council of Nicaea, is when they changed it, whereas they separated the church from the state. Because before, the church was controlled over everything. Right. The politics right. and the spiritual part right. as well. Uh-huh. But then they separated the church from the state. So, again, when it comes to separating the church from the state, as you said, what's the difference between a politician and a pastor? I mean, again, at first it was just one. You know, the pastor was the church and the state. Yeah. You know, and they separated it for various reasons.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: Now, you also have what I would say is a stratagem for our division, where you have so many different divisions of people with labels on them. Gotcha. You, you mentioned gotcha. conservative, Orthodox Christian. You have a left wing. You have a right wing. You have the red party, the blue party. You have a, I'm a, a, a leftist. We have these different labels. And when it comes to voting, you have different people with different ideologies Selecting from two candidates.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah.
3: Who probably don't have the same ideology as these people as well, you know. So I think that plays a part into why some vote and some don't go out to vote because that particular candidate doesn't have the same ideology as I do. Right. Right. You right. Know? Right. Or with some of them they feel as though well maybe this candidate does have the same ideology as I do and I'm gonna put my vote in for this particular person. Yeah. And Hopefully, you know, everything works out.
1: And, that, and, and you know, um, what you say is so true because that is one thing, that's one question that I have been faced with over the past um, 15 years being in ministry and going to uh, white conservative schools. Yeah, man. Which, but, but they were very multicultural and they were very diverse. So we were able to have conversations such as these. So this is the thing I always get hit with, and you may have heard this before. They say, well, Aaron, you have to vote the Bible. I say, well, how do I vote the Bible? They say, well, you you should vote for the candidate that is anti, that is um anti LGBTQ and the candidate that is anti um that is anti, um abortion. I say, okay, so if I vote that candidate, then I'm supposed to dismiss all the other candidates, the other the independent, the, the the Democrat, the Republican, whoever's there, who is probably um not for police re- reform, who is not for looking at um our education system, not for looking at our environment, not for looking at this. So I vote on two things, and they say, well, you have to vote on the principal thing. I say, no, see, there really is no real way of voting the Bible in America. Mm. We have to clear that up. Mm -hmm. So what we attach to how we vote, right, that's between you and the Lord. I can't judge you for how you vote. That's between you and God. If you need food on your table and you think voting for a person over here is going to be best for you versus voting against and that's really what's going on in our society now. We're voting against candidates. Yeah. We're not voting for, for
0: candidates. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, yeah, we're not. We're definitely not voting for voting for candidates. We're voting against candidates. And really, with, with you know next year's election coming up, the ma- I'm not going to say the major one, because right now we have a major one in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, Philly's election coming up. It, it's kind of, it, well, the most interesting thing about it was when candidate-elect Jackson, because she got um, when she finally got what's her last name, same time what's the mayor candidate's name the democratic parker parker my bad I say jack parker sherelle parker. parker yes so when when candidate parker when she finally candidate elect parker when she finally got the primary and she won the primary I was like okay she's going to be she's going to be the mayor so i don't want the republican dude to be the mayor mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm going to vote i'm going to vote against him and vote <laughs> <Right>. for her <laughs> right i don't right. care i don't care if i agree with her politics right. i don't want him to be To be mayor Right So he might He might have some Conservative things That I might agree with Right But because I don't want him In that type of politics To to run our city I'm like No I'm not voting for him She might have Some things that I support She might have some things That I don't support But that's my option I have two options You know Um, what I mean It's not I don't have many Which Again I'm gonna say this Democracy means There are many parties Not two Yes Democracy is full of you, you went to Ghana. Yes. If if it's a democracy, there's several different parties. under the conservative party. There's a the labor party. There's uh-huh. the, the liberal party. There, there's the extreme party. There, there's so many different parties, and that's how a, a real democracy operates. We operate more in the terms of you get two choices. Uh-huh. It's either blue or red, which I think is
1: horrible. When we look at the nation of Liberia, one of my dear friends, um, he's a counselor as well. His cousin ran for president for the last presidency in um, Liberia about three or four years ago. And there were 16 parties, <laughs> 16 parties
0: that, that that should be the way it is. You and should, I, you should I, be some kind. Your ideals should be that diverse that you could align with, with with a different kind of party. Absolutely. You know, you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to have one choice. To vote Because that's really what it is Either You do You vote for them Or you don't vote for them And I actually I think if we had more parties We'd have more turnout Absolutely That's really If we had more parties We'd have more turnout And you know two party, two, The two party system has, has really been our Achilles heel To be honest with you It really it really has And even when we look at the church um, and, and we look at even families
1: So many families were split In the last election Yeah So many families have been split In the last three or four elections Yeah And we were really transparent about it Yeah And one thing that Um many Orthodox Christians and even Orthodox Muslims are saying is that we cannot vote truly our spiritual beliefs with two parties. We are calling for a third party. We're calling for more parties because how can you say you give me two parties and say, well, vote your conscience. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. really lost on that. Yeah. I mean, you, you are confining my conscience and my convictions and all the things in my life. People vote what, what's important to them. Yeah. They vote what matters to them. Yeah. So because I'm a Christian or because I'm a black man, I'm supposed to vote this way or I'm supposed to vote, vote that way. Give me a little more um you know, don't insult my intelligence. But that's like what that. it is, though.
0: That, that's pretty much what it is. If you see the campaigns, if you see the 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 paraphernalia, the propaganda that the pa- the campaigns push out, it's really insulting people's intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's really like, nah, I know you don't read. You, you guys don't don't read anything. Mm-hmm. Nor nor do, are you smart enough to understand that what I'm saying is probably I'm probably lying. Mm-hmm. You know, so. That that's I think that's a continuous thing that politicians need to wake up to, is that people are more intelligent than what you think. Absolutely. And all the polls that you go past, the last election showed the polls don't matter. Mm-hmm. You can do as many polls as you want before an election. That, that, that That's not really the truth. Mm-hmm. The truth that comes on election day when people come out to vote. Mm-hmm. And you can see the results of that. All right, well, you know, Joe Biden won. Fantastic. Okay, he won. Right? But not everybody likes Joe Biden. So much now that we're coming up to next year. He's too old, he's too such and such. Uh-huh. he's such and such. Well, I mean, give us some more options then absolutely <laughs> you know what I mean absolutely if, if that's the case, give us some more options. i think I think right now and genera- generationally, we are ready for more parties absolutely. We are ready for for difference we we're, i mean the old, this is an old antiquated system from centuries ago that we need to address to expand our, our our delegates our delegates expand our voice expand everything that we're doing because if you don't have more parties you, you're not even representing the full scope of America the full scope of Philly you know what i
1: mean absolutely and you know that's i mean you know, I, I have no problem. I say it publicly, and that's where I'm very different. You know, from many pastors and many bishop elects, I am very disappointed in the Democratic Party. I'm very disappointed in the Republican Party. Yeah. I feel like both have failed me equally. Yeah. On so many, on so many points. So, you know, with the whole revving up for the, um, for the presidential election, and then even what's going on, you know, in our city, there, there's so many things that if we stop and look, the, um, there's been a lot of unfairness. Yeah. And a lot of closed, closed, closed door um, um,
0: deals. Yeah, I mean, listen, they, that, that's where they make them. They make them in the back office. Mm-hmm. You know?
3: That's I, why you keep talking to the black caucus. It, <laughs> that's right. I call it election by selection. Yes, yes, yes. election by selection. Mm-hmm. More so with the president, no elections, because they pick or well, they decide who's going to run. Yeah, and we get to select from what's available for us. But mm-hmm. think
0: about what you just said: a, a, a election based but, on selection, yeah. right? It's the same thing in Philly. Yeah, I mean, you know, Councilwoman Parker, she was selected. Yeah. So we we as as we're Democrats, yeah. well, I'm well, I'm not saying we're Democrats. I'm an independent. I'm just gonna put that mm-hmm. out there. As Same a, here. As as we as we lean to a certain a certain type of you know ideology,
3: hmm.
0: I think that you gotta have a you gotta have more selection. You know.
3: See that goes. You back gotta to, have more selection. Right. That goes back to the stratagem for our division, because like Brother Aaron said in Liberia. They have many parties, correct? 16. 16. Yeah. So Liberia was actually started from the brothers and sisters here. Yes. Yeah. Free went over there. Yes. yes. And they set up all the parties there. Yes. Uh-huh. So they took government upon themselves and came up with this party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can do the same thing here. Yes, we can. We can come up with our own parties. Yes, we can.
0: Uh-huh. Yes, we can.
3: So there's nothing really stopping us, but I think a lot of our people have been conditioned to. Democrat, Republican, blue, red, yeah. the donkey, yeah. what, the what, elephant. The, yeah, I mean,
0: because there are the some the issues that, that I agree with, d- with, I agree with the Democratic side on, and there's some issues I agree with the Republican side on. Now mm-hmm. that, that doesn't mean that I'm a Republican or I identify with Republicans. That means that I have a, I have a vast understanding of different things. Yes. you know what I mean, from gun laws to abortion, whatever it is. But that's the point. This is this is America, free speech. You're allowed to think these kind of things. You don't have to be like, well, I, you know, I guess since I'm a Republican, I got to vote. I got I to believe in this. You know what I mean? I got to support abortion because I believe in, you know, I believe in, in I'm a Democrat, so I got to support abortion. I'm a Republican. I'm, I'm anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with those being said, you have to be able to have a voice or somebody representing you with a voice that's different, that, that's, that spreads the spectrum. For you to understand exactly, yeah, my vote counts. Absolutely. My vote really counts. So, and with that being said, you know, we're going to take a quick break. Definitely I mean if you if you're out there and you know you're thinking about voting, please go register to vote. This is not a conversation to be like, don't vote or don't the issues are so hard. This is a this is a conversation to get us started thinking about and moving towards the change that is needed. You know, there's so much there's so many things that go on, so many issues on the table. I mean, every every time voting season comes up, there are different things on the ballot, not just names. There's health care, there's education, there's um there's even taxes on the ballot. Even though there are names on there, those are the issues that, that you deal with. Right? Those are the issues that they take. They call, you, they call them kitchen table, t- kitchen table issues. So I think that more than anything else, we have, to, we have to know that, hey, there's more options out here. There's more ways to go. We, got, we have to expand our, our, our delegates. We have to expand our voices in order for us to really be represented the way it's are supposed to. That's what I'm going to say. We're going to take a quick break. Brother Aaron, Brother Ty, Be right back. Jimmy Boggs Podcast, WPEB Radio, 88.1 FM,
2: 95.1 FM, West Philadelphia. I built my ideals on standards, standards I learned as an infant, and then I imagined my own, like most curious teenagers now. I watched my peers walk a path far different to mine, and I grew more confident with my own solitude. Politics, love, manhood and sexuality are discovered like a blind lamb in the hands of an unfamiliar shepherd. With... With with coloured pigmentation, you must accept that your historically pivotal leaders will more than likely be killed. With darker, pigmentation, you become an example of exoticism under that western microscope. Elements of your identity appropriated and then sold back to you, sold back to you with less than clever taglines. And for all of it, you must smile. Yeah, keep dancing. Knowing the revenge will taste so much sweeter once you've made
0: it. Welcome, family, right back to Jimmy Bonds Podcast. We are having a discussion with my brother, Bishop Aaron Smallwood. He is over here killing and dropping bars. as me and Tase. say, you know, them, them bars is critical, Ty, critical bull. Um, but, you know, I, one of the things, Aaron, I want to talk about was, you know, being a member of the clergy and particularly being a black man. And a member of the clergy. Why do you feel like our turnout is not as strong as it needs to be? I'll give you some stats real quick before you answer. So based on some stats, in Philly, 55% of black women vote. 47% of black men vote. That means it's 63% of us who do not. Six in 10 of us, if you take 10 people, six out of those 10 do not vote. Why do you think that is? I think,
1: again, it comes down to, is it important to you? Do you see how it can affect you? What I find with some of the cross-cultural ministry, one thing I have found is that many of our counterparts in different ethnic groups across the U.S. are already studying the law and already looking at state and local laws. So therefore, by the time things transpire, in their, in their in their life and at their schools at their if you're in a car accident some of them already know th- how certain situations are going to play out cuz mm-hmm. they have pre-studied the law cuz they see how it affects them mm-hmm. so that makes you have a more proactive approach whereas so there's one thing to be proactive another to be on the defensive mm-hmm. offensive and defensive right mm-hmm. and i think that many of us are not voting cuz we are not educated to see how it can i think we see voting as some far out um stratospheric, you know, it's it's over there. Yeah. It helps that over there. Yeah. They don't see how it can actually actually help you now. Yeah. That if you get in trouble, your mother even showed me that she modeled that. If something's going on with you and you have a state representative, yeah. you can go to that state representative and write them a letter, go to them, <laughs> walk in their office and say, I voted for you. Yeah. I now need help. Your mother was a great
0: example of that. Listen, bro, listen. I can I can attest to all of that. I mean, Ty, you heard me say last week you need to demand more for your, you know, for your vote. Yes, you, you. can't did, just yeah. vote and be like, oh, I voted for this boy and that's what it. You got to go and get it. My right. mother was a was a prime example, and I ain't just talking about recently. I'm talking about from when she was at Howard, to when she graduated and went and started working in DC Public Schools. She was an adamant person, being like, I voted for you, you're gonna meet my demands, you know. And, right. and she and she wouldn't hold them hostage, but she would hold them accountable. She mm-hmm. would hold them accountable. She would write them a letter. They didn't answer the letter. She showed up at their office. She, and she would show up and just sit and wait until they, until they had to deal with her. Like, who's this lady? How come well, how did nobody talked to her? So then they, go, they got to talk to her, find out what's going on with her, right? Now she's got a relationship with him. Now she's, she's like, okay, so now you're going to help me out with this. I got some other stuff down the road you're going to help me out with too. So, I mean, she would, she would work. I'm not going to say she would work the system. She would hold, them to, hold their feet to the fire. And if they didn't, if they felt like they weren't going to, you know, do X, Y, Z, she write a, She write a story about them and put them in the West Side Weekly. <laughs> but, and I, I don't mean that to say that she would put their names in there. I mean just more along the lines of she would mention how, you know, politicians be, need to be more supportive of their constituents. She would mention how the residents in West Philly need more, more support. You know what I mean? And see, she might be speaking from her point of view, but in actuality, she's speaking for all residents in West Philly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... You're right, Aaron. I mean, she was she was definitely uh, a super example of of that. And I, I wish, in, in a lot of ways, like you know, because black men, we feel like y- you mentioned something that really hit home. You said, you know, in other cultures, they educate themselves. What's funny about that is we're the ones who are really arrested the most. Shouldn't we educate ourselves even more before that? That should be our education. You know what I mean? That should that should be exactly. That should be exactly what we, what we do. We should educate ourselves when we get when, when we start educating ourselves. When we get in jail, get locked up. Absolutely, that's when we go trying to study laws and find out what the laws are.
1: The law library. It's, it's, yeah. it's
0: after the fact. It's not before the fact. Right. You know what I mean? Knowing what your rights are is educating yourself. And if you don't do that, my bad. Right. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Now, now you sitting now you sitting there doing six. You like? Well, I should have known this beforehand. They come out. They way more, they're way more educated. But then they got laws. that are so much educated they can't vote.
2: Yeah,
0: you know they can't vote. Well, that's I, and I think that's a farce as well. I think there's some things people don't understand about going. to You know, if you have a felony on your record, how you can get it expunged so that you can't vote. You know what I mean? Um, that's something we're gonna talk about later on in right. another subject, another segment. Um, but I, I just I thought it was real interesting that that we don't vote, man. We we just decide that it's we we cool with the status quo. Black women they get out there. These Democrats. They not gonna be. They not gonna win if they don't have a black woman vote. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So, we our voices that need to be just as strong. Need to be just
1: as present, and we're not. Absolutely, and I think it comes down to an education from our schools, from our colleges, from our churches, from our synagogues, from our, um, from our Jehovah Witness halls to whatever the whole um you know faith-based initiative yeah. which was you know came up during the George W Bush um, administration which were, what George W Bush was saying with the faith-based initiative was it can't be done by the by the government alone yeah. it can't be done by the education system alone yeah. it takes a faith-based initiative. everyone has to come and be involved it takes that village it takes all parts of society to come and be involved in it and yeah. that was why that was one reason why he was so effective in getting A lot of churches, um, black, white, whatever, in because he allowed it more money. And he said, these are certain grants that you can use to do things in your churches, in your schools, partnership and get people in. And that's one thing that that him and Condoleezza Rice and his
0: administration were very good for. But you see, here it is. Here it is. You're talking about George W. Bush. I mean, that man got such a bad rap in the black community. I don't know what to say, right? George W. Bush is not Barack Obama in the black community, mm-hmm. right? But in the large, in the large scheme of things, you just talked about something he did that was positive that nobody talks about. Mm-hmm. That nobody talks about the significance of it. Mm-hmm. They just like, well, I don't like George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. And Ty, you talked about the division it it, it, it that creates. Yes, you know how Republicans and the Republicans are all bad, Democrats they say are all good. So it's you know, it's it's this this blindsiding, and we do have to educate ourselves. We don't we don't even study the candidates. And I believe
1: I believe Senator Rand Paul, who is a Republican from, yeah, from uh, Kentucky, Kentucky. Yeah. he is the one who is, has written the um, concerning the gun laws that people should get the mental health evaluations. He is advocating that. I mean, and he was attacked by a mob last year coming, (laughs) walking from one part to another. Yeah. He was attacked by his neighbor too.
0: Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think we, we have to open up our minds and realize that there's two things. One, we have to coexist. We have to live together. We have to work together.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, we have to work together. We have to live together. We have to, we have to coexist so that we can continue operating the way we are now. Not all black people are going to want to live around black people. I'm sorry to say that. Uh-huh. Not all white people are going to want to live around white people. Uh-huh. So there's, we're going we're gonna, to, particularly here in West Philly, <laughs> particularly here in West Philly, the cultures are now mixing. Uh-huh. So we have to find ways to make it, I guess, make it easier for everybody to get along. Now, that, that sounds so like, why can't we all get along? But, I mean, we're not, we're not even having conversations. Everybody's uh-huh. just like, you support them, I don't support you. Like you say, there's been a lot of family split over political ideologies, uh-huh. which is crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because my mom probably probably had more conservative ideologies than I did. That don't mean I don't love my mom, you know right, what I mean? But right. that's, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's the extent of, of the, the breakdown that's going on. And I think I think here in West Philly, we don't, we don't educate ourselves on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. We just what, this, what the news tells us is what we believe. Instead of going to research it ourselves, find out what's going on with these, these candidates. Find out what they're representing. What, the, what did they vote for last year? Mm-hmm. Particularly, like, you know, you have, have uh, you know, Councilwoman uh, Parker. She, I, she has a voting history. Mm-hmm. No one talks about what she's voted for. Mm-hmm. You know, what's, what kind of zoning did she vote for? Mm-hmm. Did, she vote, did she vote for how those uh, developers stop coming in our neighborhoods and changing them up? Did mm-hmm. she do that? But that's what I'm saying. Like, we're not educating ourselves on it. And I think education is a very big point that I'm not sure how how to address that. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how to, how to educate us because I think if we knew more, we'd probably vote more,
3: you know? Here's the thing with that. Brother Aaron, with the churches in the communities, I see, and I could be wrong with this, but, okay, so in my neighborhood, there's, I want to say, three or four churches within probably four blocks of each other, right? Now, when it comes to voting, the churches, most of the members are not from my actual neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming in from different neighborhoods to attend church, Yeah, you know, which makes it kind of difficult for the community to be a part of the church mm. because that church is not a part of the actual community that it's in. Mm-hmm. So, again, when it comes to educating us, like you're saying, Jimmy, educating us, the church can probably do that, but I don't see where the church would probably go out door-to-door to that community that they're in and inform the, the residents that, hey, we're holding a class on political science. Mm-hmm. We're going to educate you on these upcoming elections and the parties and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. That can probably get the residents to be more involved in the voting process. If the churches were to take a stance like that. Mm-hmm. not saying that they should or they have to, but I'm just, you know, from us talking. Solutions. You know, talking about <laughs> some solutions. solutions. Yeah, yeah. You know?
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think to what you're saying is very, is very, very key. Which will, when when you find a church that will get involved like this, yeah. that like that is usually like this. We want to build a church over there. Right. They are blocking us. The zoning is not going through at City Hall. Now I need all my 150 parishioners to come and go down to this meeting, this zoning meeting at City Hall. <clears throat> you find churches get involved politically when it affects that church and a cause that concerns them, mm. right? Um, oh, we're not getting proper police um um directing of traffic when one of our major or founding members passes away. Let's go complain down to the um so uh, the public relations police officer. Yeah. Right. So when it affects them, and that's one thing that has happened from the nineteen sixties to now, we have to understand about many of our black clergy. Many of our black clergy are no longer focused on that. They've entered into the mega church model. They've entered into thinking about their own pockets. They want their Rolls Royce. And there are some still true blue Bible-believing pastors who are saying, you know what? I want your soul saved. I want you to to, to know the Lord. And also, I want to see how I can grow you economically and spiritually and mentally and emotionally. And, and I always say that. You know, as an African-American pastor, pastoring in the inner city, I don't get the luxury of my white middle-class counterparts. Mm-hmm. They get to preach and go home. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in the black community, the black pastor, whether it's male or female, a bishop, apostle, prophet, whatever title you carry, you have to be the pastor. You have to be the father. You have to check on, you know, you have you have to look after so many different aspects. We have so much more going on in our community. I just can't go preach. I now have to go up on a corner and talk to the young men. Hey, When the mothers of the church are getting out at night, come on, just let them walk past. Can y'all just move over? We don't even have that kind of respect anymore. So there's so much more the African-American pastors dealing with today than just, you know, what they used to. But even in the 60s, they were dealing with voting rights, and they were dealing with the lynchings, and they were dealing with, you know, the marches. They were so much more social advocacy conscious. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. there's been such a shift because so many of those things happened and got passed. Those laws got passed. And there's so much more um, grant money and college money and schools Mm -hmm. got desegregated that now there's a little bit of a relaxation that's happened. Mm -hmm. And when it affects you socially, politically or your church, now you want to
0: advocate. All right. So I I didn't say that. I was going to say that. Right. Mm -hmm. But brother Aaron said it, so I didn't have to say it. Cause you know, if I said it, it would be like, "Oh, he bashing on the churches. He bashing on the church now." No, this is clear. Like it, it's plain and see, these churches do not get involved unless it benefits them in some way, shape, or form. And that's the bottom line. And when I when I say that's the bottom line, I'm talking about their bottom line as well. You understand what I mean? It's more focused on, you know. I mean, you could wake up in the morning and. and what, 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 what's, what's my man? Joe Osteen?
2: Uh-huh.
0: Millionaire. <laughs> you uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. Multi. Multi. Millionaire. You know, I can go down the line. You know, my mom used to watch TBN all day, so I can go down the line of all those pastors who are extremely wealthy.
3: Yeah.
0: And in a, in a, in a, I guess on a larger scope, a lot of times that's what they, that, that's what they aim for. You know, how can, how can they prosper, <laughs> prosperity, through church? You know through donations, through whatever you know, so it's and i and I'm, I'm, it hurts me to say that that's why I'm having a hard time speaking about it because you know being being the son of, of a woman who was so devout to to not church but God, you feel like you feel like it, it's falling on disappointment like mm-hmm. I'm disappointed in this black church I am I'm not gonna lie I, I I really
3: am I think the one thing that took me was this was years ago when I was working for FedEx. And I delivered a package to a church in West Philly. And as I'm going up to the office, there's an ATM machine there. And I'm like, an ATM machine in a church? Yeah. It didn't register with me. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't understand that. Yeah. Why would an ATM machine be in a church? You know? And to this day, I still don't understand that.
0: I mean, it's all, sometimes it's all about offerings and tithes, man. That's really what it's about. The more people that, that we get in here, the more money we can make. And, I mean, I, I don't mean, church is a business, bro. I mean, people have treated, I mean, people, not every church is like this. Not every, every congregation is like this. Right. There are small churches who don't operate this, in this kind of manner, but it's big business, man. It's big business. And, and you can, you can see the clear examples of wake up on a Sunday morning. You'll see.
3: Right. Now that's, I guess that's one of the things that I, I look at too. Whereas you have smaller churches who are struggling. Like, now I'm not a part of it, but I would see if a smaller church is struggling, why don't a, a bigger church that can financially help or support that church out come in and help them out? If that, do they do that? I don't know.
2: But
1: You know, I can say that there has been some examples of that. One of them is um, Reverend Waller. Mm-hmm. Re- Reverend Waller has helped out several um, churches around the Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that um, there's a gentleman who's very popular right now. I went to the church back in the day in um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, Greenwood Christian Center, it was called then. Now it's called Transformation Church by a young brother named Pastor Mike Todd. He gave um, several hundred thousand dollars to other churches around the U.S. That weren't, to my knowledge, I'm sure he's helped out churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but he's also helped out churches in Chicago and mm. some churches. Um, I think one in the one on the East Coast even last year. Which I thought was a major blessing to see a church, you know, with that type of influence, go and say, you know what? Let me help somebody else out. Let yeah. me help another yeah. church out. So there is a certain a certain um, consciousness coming in and that's aware for. Um, and some churches do it and don't. You'll never know about it.
0: Yeah, really. And I mean, that's
3: that's a, that's a beautiful thing. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, I brought that up because you mentioned um, Joe Olsteen. Yeah. You know, there's a Creflo Dollar as well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying with these mega churches and the millions of dollars they bring in. There's no church should be suffering out there if they're bringing in this kind of money Not one You know Yeah I
0: agree you know? I definitely agree I mean
3: That goes back to what you were saying Aaron Whereas you have Their mindsets have changed From the 60s and 70s You know mm-hmm. Whereas now it's more about The money and being popular As opposed to You know The community of people And spirituality
1: Right Right I And mean, I many I mean, I mean, Sorry Jimmy Not to cut you off You know that When you look at some of these churches You know I don't belong to a denomination Yes and I never belonged to a denomination because I never wanted to play denominational rules on politics. Yes, I didn't want a deacons board or an elders board telling me what to do. <laughs> you know t- how the that Holy sucks. Spirit can move. You can't speak in tongues. You can't jump and shout. You can't this. You can't that. And I'm very much about the orphan and widow. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see that's why deacons were born in. They were born in to help serve. Yeah. And um, the, the, that's one thing that we have to really stay keep keep it focused on the orphan and the widow. And there are churches that will help. That will help usually their their spiritual sons, their spiritual daughters, those who exist in their fellowship or in their communion. Mm-hmm. So, once again, in those cases, you might not know about it. And there are denominational funds that are given out to different missions and different different groups, um, you know, around that um, around that organization. All
3: right. Listen, um, I mean, go ahead, Todd. So I was going to ask, were churches still used as polling places?
1: Yes, there are many churches in West Philadelphia that are still used as polling places. Um, I believe that um, Lutheran Church on Fifty uh, Eighth and Spruce is still mm-hmm. a polling sp- mm-hmm. space. Fifty yeah, Eighth and Spruce. Um, oh goodness! Wait, wait, wait,
0: wait! Fifty Eighth and Spruce. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to
1: say Vine. I, I got you. 50, excuse me. 59th Ninth. and Spruce. Fifty yes. Ninth yeah, and Spruce. and yeah, Spruce. Yeah. Um, there, there are several. Um, my godmother's um, funeral home, um, Yorba on Rock mm-hmm. um, Funeral Home, is used as a polling place on um, for 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 elections. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there are. Several other um, funeral homes and churches
0: that are used in West Philadelphia. And yeah, my, my mom was a, okay. was a staple at Lutheran on 58, 59th Ninth and Spruce. Was she? Yes. Yes. <laughs> my mom was in that joint regular, regular. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, definitely like, and that's that's the the benefit of of having the churches involved mm-hmm. is the polls are there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're right there. They don't have to really do anything. You just hey, this is the polling station, come vote. But I mean, I. I've, I was watching something before I came in. Um I was watching something on NBC talking about the Black Church and um the vote and how the the two were intertwined. And it was this little piece by NBC and it was a, a gentleman with a reporter had gone to Milwaukee and he went to one of the Black Churches in Milwaukee and they were having an election and the pastor was like, "You know, I want to get out and talk about I want to get out and talk to these people about helping help them understand what's going on in the community, why it's important to vote, that kind of thing." And he said, you know, the the reporter asked him, hey, do you ever think about quitting? He was like, yeah, I think about quitting every day. Mm-hmm. He was like, because it gets too hard. You have 92% of people who don't know who their mayors are, don't know who their council people are, who don't know who runs their city. And so he said, I'm sitting around walking every day trying to educate people, and it's, it's getting no results. People are not coming out to vote. Mm-hmm. He broke down crying.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because the question was, why do you care so much? And the passage response was, the black passage response was, I care so much because it's my responsibility to care. Mm -hmm. I'm taking it on myself to care Mm -hmm. for the people that are in my community, not just my church, but my community. And I'm watching this man cry and I'm saying to myself, he really, he he, he, it's hitting him that hard. That's exhaustion. That's that's, fi- that's fighting on a, on a level, on an on everyday level, having, being inspired to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Being inspired to be disappointed. And I think for me, a lot of times, I get like that. I get jaded. Because you spend so much time trying to get people to understand why something is important and why voting is important. And, some, and then, like, you know, you see the stats. It's like, wow. Y'all not voting? No, I, I mean, I can confess. I didn't vote every time. I wasn't one of them people that voted every single time. 2016, I didn't vote. You know, 2018, I didn't vote.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't vote until 2020. I, and I did it because I was just like, I need to vote. Uh-huh. Whether I like these candidates or not, uh-huh. I need to vote. Uh-huh. You know? I need to make sure that my, my, my voice is heard and, and this in, in this way, you know, in this capacity. Because my voice is heard. Shoot, I got a podcast. I, my voice can always be heard. But then there's people who don't have a voice like this who can... Use their voice in a different manner. And I thought the responsibility of it was was vital. What Absolutely. am I going to tell my kids? What am I going to tell my kids? My, my daughter sits around and, and watches me watching news all day. She sees Donald Trump come on, come on TV. She like, oh, daddy, why are you watching Donald Trump on TV? That's what she sees about mm. him, right?
2: Mm.
0: But when I come back home and I got my I voted thing, daddy, what you do today? I voted. That's an example. Mm-hmm. She know when well, my daddy used to vote. Mm -hmm. My mom used to vote, and I don't mean religiously, but yeah, religiously she would vote. Mm -hmm. Every time, that's a thing. But if you don't do that, if you don't take those kind of actions and show the generations behind you why that's important,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. it's going to be the same thing. That cycle is going to continue. You're going to continue to have it where that, you know, nobody votes in the house. No, we don't vote. We don't do that. Mm -hmm. That's not what we do. So why not? Well, I don't even like those people. Neither do I. (laughs) <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Neither do I. But my, my vote, my vote, I'm. I'm. I, there's a lot in my vote. It's not just me going to a ballot and putting some names down and checking a box. It's way more than that. Mm-hmm. And I always find it to be that, like, you know, we got to find ways to influence people to to vote. You know, I know, Todd, I know you might not vote, mm-hmm. but, I'm, but for me, it's not even about trying to get Todd to vote. He's going to vote on his own time. That's if he does. If he mm-hmm. does, he does. If he doesn't, he doesn't. He's still going
3: to be my brother no matter what, right? Mm-hmm and my thing is i haven't found a candidate that represents what i what i need mm-hmm. you know, that that's that pretty much is the only reason why
2: mm-hmm.
1: and well you know we, i think another thing we have to understand is in one of you know my spiritual father my bishop helped me understand this too and um somebody else um, one of my spiritual mothers spoke to me about this as well that our our ancestors died for us to have the right to vote mm. but you have to also remember you can go write somebody in so even though you don't have a candidate, yeah. a candidate, yeah. you can go and say, you know what? I'm just going to go. That's what I did in the last election. I put on my mud cloth, um, my, my mud cloth uh, um, poncho. I went to um, East Lansdowne where I'm registered, and I stood there and I um, and I took a picture of my feet with my mud cloth poncho over it in honor of all the bloodshed in this country and those who fought to vote. And I went there, and I didn't vote for either of those two candidates, but I wrote a vote mm-hmm. in, and I put it in the box. Yep. And I said, to God be the glory, yep. because this is something that was paid for and paved the way for me to be here today.
0: Listen, my, you, you, knew, you knew my grandparents. That's something to be said. You knew my grandparents. And my, my grandfather, Al Russell, jazz musician, uh-huh. Wrote a song. I told you about a song he wrote. Hey, Mister KKK. Yeah. back uh-huh. in, back in 196 No, sorry. Back in
3: 1952.
0: Uh uh-huh. He wrote a song called Hey, Mister KKK. Hey, Mister KKK. He just it was really about like Nah, you ain't, I'm not afraid of you, bro. Like, <laughs> all right. And they wouldn't play it on the radio because they were they're too afraid. That they played it on the radio. That was gonna be it. But I think about him every time I go vote because if he can put out a song. <laughs> In 1952, right. with no fear, I can go vote. That's the least I could do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? I, I can go vote. So, I mean, it, my grandparents were born in the 1920s. So they, they came up through a time, depression, all that other stuff. They seen all, all the changes. Oh, like my mom's generation was the civil rights generation. So I'm, that's I'm, I'm saying that because we are not far away from that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: As much as people, you know, all things, times have changed. They have not changed. We are still living. We are a generation away from this, from from. We're two generations away from slavery, two, okay, not one but two. Mm-hmm. And us, right, us here, our generation. Now, my kids are different, but for us, we don't we don't have a choice. Our freedoms that we have right now for those people who was, who was walking them lines, getting hosed down, mm-hmm. getting lynched. That's right. That, I, that those were our freedoms. I, I better go vote. If if I if I if I'm thankful for what my people have done before me. I better go vote. That's my way of paying homage. You yeah. know, that's my way of, of giving back. Look, y'all, you died for me to come in here and put and put a name or check a box. You yeah. died for me to do that. But
3: you know, my thing to that is, did they have to die? Could there have been another alternative, whereas they didn't have to sacrifice their life? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I. Looking back on it, who knows? Who, who knows if they had to die for, the, for these things to happen? Because I, I had a person that I work with. She said, I only voted because, you know, our people died for the right to vote. No. That, but
0: that's, 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 not, that's not, that's not, that's, that's just a, a, that, that's a saying that we always say. Yeah. That's something that we always, we just subscribe to. You know, not really understanding what, what really happened. Right. You know, what really people had to go through. Because when I hear that, my thing is, did they have to die?
1: I think I think the that, that's a very good question. I think the way I would, I, to my response to that would be, I think that they were fighting for a cause, and in fighting for a cause, then they died. I don't think they got up that day saying, I'm going to die for the right to vote. I think they got up and they said, I'm going to march over the Birmingham Bridge. Yeah. I'm going to stand and go to this. Um, I know that the KKK is present here. Yeah. Even where I had my ministry the last um, five Four or five years, five years, in Arrington, Tennessee. That um, on that in that same area was where the Ku Klux Klan was founded. Mm-hmm. That was the founding of it. And even um, I heard of some racial things being said. You know um, about you know the ministry, and there was a lot of witchcraft that was thrown at the ministry that I did down there. Here I was a young black man from Philadelphia doing ministry with my dear brothers and sisters in Christ who who were white and we defied that the actual farm where we had the ministry was where the the largest number of union soldiers were camped there and just 2 or 3 miles away is the um Franklin Tennessee where they still have the um, tour of the plantation the, the Carrington plantation where mm. they um, still have the blood stains mm. of the um of, of of the confederate soldiers on the Wood, um, mm. hospital. So I believe that it's not that they, I believe they got up to fight and now then, then there was bloodshed. I believe that that's, that's why they died. Mm. And I believe that they were so determined for freedoms at that time and knowing who they were, that they were refusing to defy the odds. And I think sometimes when we defy the odds, there's a sacrifice.
0: Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I think that sacrifice comes. Yeah, Yeah. And, and I hate to use the word sacrifice, but, um, that's that's pretty much what it was. Uh-huh. You know, what it was. We we were sacrificed. <laughs> you know, some of our our relatives and our family members were sacrificed uh-huh. for us to be able to have certain freedoms. Uh-huh. You know? I mean, I, and I know today's different and when I say today's different it's a different year, but we're still going through the same things that we
3: did back then. That's what I'm saying like we're still going through the same things. They lost their lives and we're still going through the same things. But, see, but not many of us are losing our lives today like Right. But but see not- many
0: many of us wouldn't even risk our lives. For right. It. That's the I'm thing. Yeah. Many of us wouldn't don't many of us don't even understand what kind of oppression he had back then. Right. You know and,
3: and and to be honest with you many of us don't understand the oppression we have today. So again was the racism in the 60s and 70s more or less than it is today? It's, it, it never changed. It never changed. It never changed. I think it took a new face.
1: Exactly. I think it, I think it took a new face. And I think that, yes, it's not as out. I think that things are better. Better in terms of you can walk down the street, you can marry interrationally, it can be in your, I mean, there were laws on the books that were saying literally you cannot, there, like yeah. Free State of Jones, the yeah. movie, that thing, you know, those, those types of things. i that movie, great
0: film. Yes, great film. yes. You great know. film, I advise everybody to go see that.
1: Absolutely, I mean, it goes to show, you know, just even interracial marriage was it was a big issue, yeah. and uh, many of us who have dated across, you know, cross ethnically and racially, you, hey, know. you know, I have, right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, absolutely. I call yeah. him Mister International. <laughs> seriously, seriously, Jimmy was Jimmy was crossing nor back and forth to Norway, like he was jumping on the L, <laughs> going back and forth from Frankfurt's uh, 69th Street. You know, where Jimmy at? Jimmy, Jimmy
0: on a plane on his way to Norway. You know, with the ambassador's daughter. You know, I mean. Seriously, <laughs> but I tell I listen. Sometimes <laughs> I say to people like, "Man, you made that up." Yeah. He, he can give all the evidence. <laughs> oh yes, I don't. I don't have to be like that. I, I, I can tell you I this. No, he can tell you. Right. Y'all. Oh <laughs> yes. And if my mom was upset about it, he heard about it. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> listen, man. Let, hey, brother Aaron, know he knows me very well, extremely well. God, God, brother, God, goddad dad to my niece. You know yes. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, him and my sister, uh, brother and sister, because he's a you know like. Listen, I he I can't even say closer to my sister than I am. He she spends way more, more time with him, right. you know, seeing him. So like, yeah, brother Aaron is he's brother fam. Aaron. He, oh yeah, he's basically family. not basically, nah. He's he family. is. We just ain't got the same blood. Like yes. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? But um, so tell me this. You know, and we're gonna get onto our, our our next smaller subject. But tell me this. What what do you think the church needs to do to help? I guess foster the youth vote, the young vote, because that's that's the next wave. That is more of them than it is of us. So how do how does how does the church, I guess, influence them about the importance of voting? I think
1: that number one, you have to get you have you have to have a relationship with them. Mm. You know, um, my spiritual father coming out of the. Um, I, I love the Eastern context of ministry and spirituality, and the Eastern context of covenant. And one thing we find is that for me, Christianity, it, it you see it, it comes out of the East. And we have to have an Eastern context. So Christ wanted a relationship with us. We need to be in relationship with each other. You can't foster the youth to do anything if you don't have relationship with them. Mm. I can't foster youth to come into church when I don't have a relationship with you on the street. So it takes it takes it comes down to relationship. And once you have that relationship, I have a lot of relationship with youth with youth and young people. You know, my ministry is geared towards artists yes. and um Artists and um, um, business people and entrepreneurs around yeah. around the world. Yeah. So everybody I talk to and that I have I have relationship with, I can foster them to think about things and consider things from another perspective. Yeah. It all starts for me for the from from the context of relationship. Very true. So when it comes down to the youth, we have to have relationship with them. And how do you build relationship? It has to be intentional. Mm -hmm. You have to reach out. You have to see, you know, what's going on with you. How are you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? And um, from there, I believe we can foster and we can have certain conversations that can open their eyes to a whole nother world. And that would be voting. That would be social advocacy. That would be, um, you know, speaking up for yourself. One of the things of your mother poured into me was be who you are. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I tell people, even as a um, clinical health, mental health counselor, you have to really, when you go to the doctors, when you are going places, be your own advocate. You don't have to take that prescription. You don't have to take that that what, what the doctor is telling you, you don't have to take. Just settle with that. You don't have to take what they're doing to your child at school or saying to your child at school. You can stand up, be your own advocate, and then you can go reach out to other people as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it all comes down to Jimmy Jimmy Bond's relationship. See, Ty, yep.
0: Ty, you ain't, Ty, you ain't got to listen to them doctors. <laughs> you
1: don't.
3: Yeah, I was in there fighting them left and right. But man.
2: listen,
0: you, 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 gotta yeah. you got to advocate for yourself. You got to because if you don't, they gonna they gonna take full advantage of it. Yeah.
3: I, I told him, I said, I'm, I'm deficient in vitamin D and magnesium. Well, how do you know that? Oh, I've been studying my body for the past 50 plus years. I think right. I know a little
0: something about myself. Well, thank you exactly. y'all for listening to Jimmy Bonds Podcast right here on WPEB Radio 8.1 FM, 95.1 FM, West Philadelphia. Remember, you can call us with your comments or your questions at 215-472-0881. Again, that's 215-472-0881. You can also email us at podcast at gmail.com. Again, it's Bonds podcast at gmail.com. It's J-I-N-Y-N-Y. B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. This is our project we're doing here at WPEB. Every voice, every vote, West Philly Voices. I ask you out there to spread love, not hate. Spread truth, not lies. And remember to tell somebody. Tell somebody. Somebody you know, somebody you ain't talked to in a while, somebody you talk to frequently. Tell someone you love them, because you
2: never know when you might get another chance.